Good evening, everybody, and welcome to episode 163 of the Ask the Coach show where ping skills helps you improve your table tennis. In darts, 163 is the lowest number that cannot be shot with three darts on a standard dart board. Today, we'll have a quick chat about the China Open as it heads towards the final stages. In the questions, we'll talk about the backhand cantaloupe, the forehand block, playing it too safe, and Waldner's incredible ability to read the game. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, Supercoach Alois Rosario is here with me to answer your questions. Welcome, Alois. Thank you, Jeffrey. And uh, yes, hopefully uh, another good show coming up, Ping Skillers. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. And it's pretty exciting that we've got the China Open in action, Alois. This is a big tournament. It is a big tournament, isn't it? Like we've had a had a bit of a look at the draws, and uh, so they're f- through the first round of matches. Like the men's the men's singles is as strong as the world's. So Ma Long, uh, Gao Ning, Chen Wei Jing, Fang Bo, uh, Koki Niwa, Zhang Ke, Fan Zendong, uh, Timo Boll, uh, Samsonov, Ovcharov, uh, Zhu Zin. Freitas, they're all there. So uh, definitely the place to be in the men's singles. But uh, a couple of upsets for, um, early up. So um, so uh, Ovcharov going down to uh, Yuya Oshima from Japan, 4-3. I was watching a little bit of it uh, this afternoon and it just looked like a bit of a tussle. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't watch the end of it because uh, I had to go out. But yeah, some, uh, some close games. Like uh, I think all the... That like the middle five games were 12, 14, 10, 12, 11, 9, 12, 14, 12, 10. So, um, yeah, a real tussle. But the young uh, Oshima from Japan taking down Dmitry Ovcharov. And then the other one, uh, our favourite uh, Samsonov also going down. So Samsonov going down to Li Hu from, uh, from Singapore, four games to two. Who so, did he lose uh, to? Who? That's correct. You're right. Who? <laughs> Who he lost to? Lee Hu. Who's on first? Oh, <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a classic, Jeffrey. A classic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, some big matches coming up. So uh, the other the other interesting result was Chen Wei Jing beat Jusei Hyuk. So two players with similar styles, long pimples on the backhand, both choppers. So um, would have been an interesting, interesting tussle, you know, who was taking up the attack. I've seen them play before, and I think uh, Chen Wei Jing did most of the attacking the last time I saw them play. Um, but it was a 4-1 result to Chen Wei Jing. There you go. So if you haven't had a look yet, get onto ITTV, and you can find that on the ITTF.com website. I'll put a link in the show notes. Watch some of the China Open. You're going to see some great matches. It's enjoyable, and you will learn a lot by watching these top players. So, um, yeah. And um, sorry, I didn't mention the women. Need to mention the women. So Ding Ning, um, just see that she is just through to the, the third round, beating uh, Shan Jiana from Germany, the chopper from Germany. Um, Fukuhara is still in the draw. Uh, Yang uh, Hayun from Korea plays uh, Ishikawa, Kazumi Ishikawa. Um, so Ishikawa beat Yu Ming Yu from Singapore first round. So, yeah, that's a tough first round winning 4-3. Um, and who else is in the draw? Feng Chen Wei is there. Chen Meng, Lu Xi Wen. So, yeah, 
strong, strong tournament. Excellent. All right. You Look know, forward to you know. Yeah. You could probably almost say that it's stronger than the world champ than the uh, sorry than the Olympics. There you go. Yeah, that's true. Yes, because you got more of the top Chinese players in the draw, so you could mount an argument for that easily. All right, Alois. Yesterday's Ping Skillers question of the day was, "Who is the best server that you have played?" What did yeah, people so, say? Yeah, so we had uh, quite a few responses. Some, uh, some in jest and some uh, serious ones. So Brendan said a guy at club in Chinatown, uh, New York, had services that looked so closely to each other, whether it was backspin or, or no spin, and they were very hard to read. Um, George Christou says one of the local guys at Sunbury, Ben Jackson, uh, and his mate Tim Pham. Plenty of different serves with hard-to-read spin. And Trevor Hearth, always the joker, said, unfortunately, I haven't been able to play myself yet before. So there you go. <laughs> Um, and Efkan uh, has said Omar Erdogan um, was uh, and it was the ha- hardest server he's played. And Ben uh, Benjamin Mercury Vitas said some Chinese guy who I can't remember the name of that came to our club giving us some training. His serves was amazing, immense spin and hard to read. And I think that's the real key, isn't it? With um, with serving, it's just the the deception of it and being able to read the serve. You know, it doesn't matter if you've got a whole heap of spin on it. If it's always the same, then eventually a player can um, can read what's what's on the ball. But if you if you're always changing it up and putting different spin on it, then it becomes really difficult. And that's that's the real crux of a, a good serve. Yeah, it certainly is. I still think it's important that you learn to be able to put a lot of spin on the ball and that way your variation is going to become be more effective, I think. So I think you still need to do, yeah, learn to put a whole lot of spin on the ball, do you reckon? Definitely, yeah. Definitely definitely you have to have that ability because if you can't spin the ball, then the the variation uh, becomes less. So, you know, if you're spinning the ball a little bit or none at all, then it's easy to read and it's easy to adjust. But if it's a really heavy spin and then it's a little bit less spin or no spin, then it becomes really difficult and then the variation becomes a lot more. So, yeah, definitely. First up, get out there and really swing hard at the ball and uh, try to generate as much spin as you can. Excellent. And the ping skillers question of the day is very uh, topical. Who will win the China Open the men's and the women's singles. So, as always, you can um, you can go on our Facebook page and leave a comment or you can come to our blog at pinkskills.com. Love to hear your thoughts on who's going to win the China Open. All right, now, Alois, that, that earlier in the show I mentioned about 163 being the, um, the lowest number that cannot be shot with three darts. What do you have for us on this day in history? Oh, mate. Um, well, in 1947, Jeffrey, the yep. voyage of Norwegian explorer Thor Heyerdahl ends after the Kontiki crashes into a reef off the Polynesian islands. What about that, eh? Who? The famous explorer who? Thor Heyerdahl. You must have heard of Thor Heyerdahl. In Thor Norwegian- Heyerdahl. Thor Heidel. Everyone's heard of Thor Heidel. And Contiki. Like, you know, like who hasn't been on a Contiki expedition, right? <laughs> You're struggling. 
<laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> now, Brock has jumped on to give us some good news, Alloys. And for those, that have been watching, yeah, for those that have been watching the show for a while, you will remember his struggle against the tall guy. And Brock says, hey, Pink Seals, I met my former rival, the tall guy, in a small tournament today, and I beat him with a 2-1 victory. 21-10, then 18-21, then 21-12. I feel unstoppable now. Go, Brock. Brocky, you are unstoppable. If you are beating the tall guy, you are unstoppable. Good work. Like it. Well done, <laughs> Brocky. Excellent. Now, Ilya's got a very interesting question for us today. He says, for an intermediate player, is it worth learning and practicing the backhand counter loop? Or is it better to rely on pivoting and spend practice time on something else like footwork or your short game? Ah, yes. Um, so I, for me, like I think the counter loop's a good stroke, but it's a risky stroke, you know. And why do you need to play a counter loop? Because you've strayed too long or you've let uh, the other person um, make the first attack. So I think learning the short game is a really big step. You know, if you can learn the short game, then your counter loop doesn't need to be as strong. Then you don't, I mean, the, the problem in the rally isn't the fact that you can't make the counter loop. The problem in the rally is the fact that you are straying too long. So for me, that short game uh, development is really, really number one. If, you know, if you've got the basic strokes, I reckon that's, that's crucial. Go for it. Short game. Awesome. Like it a lot. Good question, Ilya. And hopefully that clears things up for you. Work on the short game. Next up is a question from Howe who says, when my opponent loops the ball to my center or to my left, I would block it with my backhand. But when my opponent loops the ball to my right, I have a problem blocking as the ball is too fast for me to block. What should I do? Yeah, so um, so it looks like it's just the forehand block that you that you're having problems with. Um, it is like everything practice, but um, I, I think the forehand block um, is probably not as natural a stroke because the ball is outside your line of vision. So um, one key thing is to just get a little bit closer to the ball when you're blocking. Um, and two is really watching the ball carefully as well. So when they're top spinning, just really watch that ball all the way into the bat there uh, when you're blocking. Um, someone on uh, the, the the site on the actual Ask the Coach um, uh, uh, question uh, suggested that Samsonov actually waits a little bit longer and hits the ball a little bit later for his forehand block, which, again, is might be an idea to, ha- to have a think about. But there also you are needing to really watch that ball onto the racket. The backhand block... A little bit easier because the ball's in front of you. So it's here, here, here. It's a lot easier to see. Out there, it's not really um, in your line of vision. So that's I think that's why the forehand block's a little bit more difficult. But take a look at our lesson on the forehand block. Um, take a look at the basic principles of the forehand block, and then hopefully that'll help you as well. Yeah, good point. Um, I'll put it in the show notes so you'll be able to see that and go to the forehand block. One... Other thing, apart from just the basics of getting that shot right, Alois, I think if people aren't confident with that forehand and they're always thinking, oh, I'm going to block with my backhand, then they're kind of waiting, 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 and even in the middle they might play a backhand. 
So then when it does come to the forehand, it is a bit of a shock and they're kind of not in the right position to play that forehand. Have you experienced things like that yeah. before? Yeah, definitely, yeah. So, so you know, like if you're trying to cover up with your backhand, yeah, as Jeff said, you, you tend to like drag over there and then you start playing backhands there and you're almost willing the ball to not go over to your forehand. So, yeah, just be open. And, you know, um, we've talked a little bit before about, you know, just that line between your forehand and backhand. So decide for yourself where I'm going to play forehand, where I'm going to play backhand. And that – so the ball on this side is a forehand – Ball on this side is a backhand as well, so yeah, and that'll that'll just help you to um, to make the decision a little bit quicker and, and get across um, and get your bat ready for that forehand block too. Yeah, yeah, and as you mentioned, it's all about practice. So I guess um, how probably should go out and just practice some blocking on the forehand side. Indeed, definitely, that's how right. we should do it. Yeah, and often, like we said, when people are doing drills. People might often go to the backhand side just because it's more comfortable. So next time, how maybe suggest someone goes to your forehand so you can get some good opportunities to practice blocking with your forehand. Good question. All right. Next question is from Chris. And Chris says, I tend to play it safe too often and don't take as many chances as I like. Too often I feel like I fear that I'll miss um, or I fear that I'll make an aggressive shot and I'll miss the table or I'll hit the net. What can one do to mentally get over that? Yeah, so um, the practice situation is where you need to start. So in your in your match practice, just get in there and um, be determined that every single opportunity you get, you're going to make a, a topspin. And don't don't be worried about missing topspins. Think about okay, if I can make a topspin, um, then that's the goal for the for the game. Land it, don't land it, doesn't really matter. If you're getting into position to make that topspin, then really go after it. Um, it's difficult when you get into an important match situation and then suddenly start to think, okay, now I'm going to start to attack everything. You've got to do it in practice. Um, in your practice drills, make sure you incorporate a lot of um, drills where you're making the first attack as well. Um, don't be afraid to make mistakes in the practice situation especially. All right, Really go after it. See how see how you can develop, um, and just see the limitations of of what you can do with uh, with your top spins as well. Yeah, and I guess Alice, it's important to vary your training a bit. Sometimes you want to work on consistency because you need a consistent forehand, but then other times you do want to push it a bit and just see how much you have developed and if you can play faster. So some training sessions, it's okay to say my focus is going to be a bit more aggressive this session. And I expect to miss a few more balls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I suppose one other thing to mention it is just when you do start to play faster, a lot. I see a lot of players uh, change their stroke and try to try to do something different. Keep your same technique, just move your bat through faster with the same stroke. So really keep that in mind as well. I see a lot of players when they go faster do this and try to you know get that get the um, the ball down by curving their bat down. Same stroke, same stroke, just hit that ball faster. Real yeah. Key. So what is the problem with doing this? Because I, I feel like you probably can move the bat through faster, a bit easier by swinging across like that. Yeah, you can. But 
um, you, you, you're going to let, get less topspin on the ball and less consistency with your angle as well. So by going up here, you're going to still maintain the same amount of topspin you're putting on the ball. And it's the topspin that drags that fast ball down. If you don't have topspin, the ball will sail off the end of the table. So really focus on just generating lots of topspin and speed with your stroke. Got it. And if you look at Ma Long and Zhu Zin and all the top players, you can see they just got these beautiful forehands, always finishing nice and high. Look like they can never miss the ball. Yeah, indeed. Like, you know, it, it, I think it's a real issue. Like, I see Bol play his stroke, and he, don't get me wrong, he is like one of my favourite players, and he's fantastic. But his stroke is very low. So, yeah, so he finishes very low with his stroke. I don't think it's a stroke for um, us to copy. I don't think it's a stroke that uh, we as, you know, developing players or, you know, that level player um, should be trying to copy because it's just too risky. Bowl is such a champion because he practices so much. He's, he's played this stroke. He gets contact um, well all the time, you know, but... Yeah, I think it's just too risky for us to, to to try and copy this stroke. Yep, got it. All right, good question, Chris. And that leads me on to a little bit of a promotion for ping skills here. We do have a 52-week training plan for our premium members, and in that we do go through different stages. So we do work on consistency, and then we do work on you know increasing the speed. We focus on different uh, topics every four weeks. So it's a really good way to, you know, improve your table tennis. So if you want to check that out, go to pingskills.com and check out our premium membership. All right. Next question is from Raynal, who says, why doesn't J.O., meaning Jean, uh, Jan Ove Voldner, why doesn't J.O. move much in a game? This is what J.O. said that I'm curious about. I want to save my energy for the important balls. I'm standing where the ball comes. That's why I don't have to move. I can read the game. And Raynal wants to know, should I follow his advice? <laughs> Always dangerous to copy J.O. because he, he is such, I mean, you've heard us talk about him before, right? Um, okay, so so one, Waldner sees the ball so well and it actually looks like he's not moving because he, he's, actually, he's actually seeing what's happening almost like, like he's written the script. So he'll hit the ball there, he'll move into position and he's ready for the next ball. There is a lot of movement happening though, all right? So there is a lot of movement happening. It's just difficult to see. Um, the second thing is, like, as I said, he is like a bit of a freak, okay? So he sees the ball so well, he reads the ball so well. Um, it's something that us mere mortals just can't do. So we need to focus on movement. We need to focus on watching the ball and moving and moving and moving. So, yeah, easy to get led into the trap of, you know, Waldner and just standing there and doing this, and that's what it looks like he does. But when he gets the opportunity, he moves. When he gets the opportunity, he plays strong shots as well. So, yeah, bit of a bit of a, um, a trap for young beginners. Yeah, and interestingly... He played in a time where the backhand topspin wasn't as, you know, dominant as, as it is now. And he, I don't think he had the world's best backhand topspin. Out of all the strokes, I mean, he still had a really good backhand topspin, don't get me wrong. But compared to all his other strokes, 
I feel that was one of his, I don't want to say bad strokes, but it wasn't as just brilliant as all his other strokes. And so he, he did tend to block on the backhand, but he was also, you know, really incredible at moving with his forehand. Like you said, he seemed to not move much, but he did have incredible coverage when he wanted to. He could pivot around and play a forehand, get out wide, play another forehand and get back to the middle, play another forehand. Really did have good footwork. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's a bit of a fallacy to say that he didn't move. Like, And, you know, Waldner talks it up a little bit too, you know, uh, you know I just... I just sort of wander around, but yeah, if you what if you actually watch him play, there's a lot of movement happening, and there's a lot of aggression with his with his forehand as well. You know, I, again, I remember at the time, you know, when Waldner was number one, you know, all the all the kids going out there and practicing these little forehands. But again, if you actually watch Waldner play, his forehand's huge. Like his swing is from there to there. Like it's a big swing when he when he swings at it. And there are all these kids out there practicing forehands like this. So yeah, he's a very deceptive player to copy. That's why I say it's really dangerous to try and uh, try and copy Waldy's uh, Waldy's game. Yes. All right. Well, good question, Randall. As you can tell, Alois loves talking about Waldner. Next up. Ahmed asks, if the ball touches my playing hand, will I lose the point? Aha, uh-huh. good one. So, um, no, the answer in short. So up to your wrist is considered part of your bat. So even if it just hits your hand and goes straight over, um, that's a good shot. And recently they've also changed the rules. So if the ball hits your, your hand and your bat, it's still considered a single hit. And it's still in play as well. So, yeah, so basically the answer is yes, the ball can hit your hand um, and go back over. Still a good hit. It's play on. Excellent. All right. Good clarification to end the show. Thanks, Ahmed. Well, that wraps up another week of Ask the Coach shows. This was episode 163. Make sure that you have a great weekend with lots of table tennis. And when you're not playing table tennis, go to the Ping Skills website. And if you haven't yet, sign up for our free newsletter. Lots of great tips. Thank you, everyone. And thank you, Alloys. Thanks, Jeff. And um, I, I think we can't, we can't leave the show without mentioning uh, the cricket. And thank you, Nigel, for not jumping on here and giving us a hard time. Um, he did send a message in, uh, in, his, uh, in his question uh, that he said, uh, you know, he's almost, you know, um, feeling sorry for us, I think, you know, that uh, that the Aussies are doing so badly. But um, but he did ask an interesting question, though, Jeff. He said, you know, how do you recover from something like that? He said he's lost he's lost some games 11-0, you know, so what do you do next? And I think, you know, the, the thing is just you've got to stick with your, with your game plan, and that's what the Aussies have to do. They've got to stick with their game plan. They've got to um, get in there behind the ball. They've got to you know, get a little bit gritty and uh, and just see if they can save this test. Can they save this test, Jeff? Um, I, I really don't think so. I think it's too far gone. But you're right. You can't give up. You've got to keep fighting. And I don't think you should just try and do something that you've never done before. So, you know, like in table tennis, if you lost 11-0, you shouldn't suddenly switch and start chopping if you're an attacker or, you know, if, if you attack, you know, not that hard, just try and smash every ball. I don't think that's going to work either. I think you just need to try and play your game, but just try and play a little bit better. And, you know, sometimes you just have to improve your game just a little bit in one area 
and it can have a big impact on the whole game. So you just got to go out there, try your best, you know, and see what can happen. But, yeah, no, the Aussies, they're gone. Yeah, really. And Nigel did say, um, I did listen to the cricket, and they have been making much fun of it over here in England. So at our expense. And probably because it's, uh, this is a blue moon event and the probability of it ever happening is like winning the lottery. I hope so, Nigel. I hope this never happens again. <laughs> Me too. All right. We nearly got away with it, Alloys, without mentioning the cricket, but now you've done it. Um, I might have to go and just watch a little bit more and see if we can fight back at all. All right. Have a great weekend, everybody. Uh, we will catch you on Monday. Bye.